Some days, holidays, go slipping through the cracks But these two hot dudes are picking up the slack There's no holiday too big or small When you need to just call Special edition coming to you live from 1609 Decatur, DeKalb Avenue, Avenue. apartment Apartment 3E, Brooklyn, New New York, 11237. And Dip, we are here today to celebrate movies. (laughs) Not just movies, but also the Oscars the the Academy Awards. Well, the Oscars are a celebration of movies. And I know this isn't a holiday that's on the calendar, but it's a holiday that's in our hearts. And I don't know if if I have this correct, but I feel like you were at my house or apartment, my shared uh, living uh, space, and we were watching Uh the Golden Globes. And um, with Emily Schaub. Yes, I don't know if this was the precise time, but uh, I wanted to watch it, and you wanted to go out. And you made the proclamation that you were going to watch all of the Oscar films this yes. year. Yeah. And also my top 10 favorite films. So you're going to watch both of those. I don't think you came through. On the I don't know if I made list. the proclamation to, to watch all of your uh, movies. Yes, you did. Because you said, what are your top 10 movies? And then oh, I copied and pasted right. a screenshot and sent it to you. <laughs> and you're like, Twitter. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch all of these. And I'm going to watch all the Oscar movies. <sighs> well, I watched the top five. But then after I watched the first one, that was like, leave no trace, I think. Oop. Uh, well, I'll cut that out. And then you're like, I don't think we I have the like, same yeah. taste of movies. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't want to get through the top But 10. then I, I watched it. another one, which it. we'll get to, and uh, I really liked it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do something a little different. So no spelling bee and uh, no would you rathers, I don't think, anyway. Um, no guests. It's just the two of us. We might have a guest later in the show, but he's not here now. So we're going to wait uh, a day. and But you won't know that. If you're listening to the podcast, we're going <laughs> to edit that in. Um, so, so first half of the show is going to be about each of our top 10 movies. Second half of the show is going to be about Oscar nominated movies and our opinions of them. Maybe with a guest, maybe not. Who knows? Correct. That's what we're going to do. And I don't want to waste any time because normally we talk too much. Well, it's mm-hmm. a podcast. We're supposed to talk. But um, So anyway, if you want to follow yep. us, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Friendster, uh, Google Plus, and Tumblr. Tumblr, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And let's just start out. I thought the best way to do this is we could go back and forth, top 10, going from 10 down to 1. 
And if we both have uh, the same movie on there, then we can skip that, obviously. Right. So whoever has it first. So if so I we'll have edit in like a, 10, then you'll be like, I have that at six. And then we'll only have to talk about it once. Right. And we'll we'll edit in like a countdown. We'll start with 10 and nine. We'll go all the way to one. And uh, Chips, I just, before we get into the show, sure. I want to say one thing. Okay. Um, just a couple weeks prior, today on Recording Days, is Justin Nillis' birthday. Oh, happy and birthday, Michael Jordan <laughs> and birthday, Justin Nillis. Michael Jordan and Justin Nillis. But your birthday was only a few weeks ago. Oh, thank you. And uh, as you probably noticed, I did not get you a gift on your birthday, and then I went on a cruise ship, so I wasn't able to give you your birthday gift. So I have one gift I want to present live on the show for you, and then another gift I'm going well, to give you. Well, you didn't have to get me anything. <laughs> it's not so good, but I just want to do it at the top of the show real quick. You don't even have to, you know, just, it's not wrapped. This is from the cruise ship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it on the cruise it's ship. It's in an Amazon Prime. Okay, uh, what do we have here? You can oh. crack it open. These, these... I think I know what these are. Happy birthday. I'm sorry we didn't do a birthday podcast like we did with Al that time. Oh, boy. So what What do you think they are before you go too far? Well, I can see already that uh, these are uh, a, a Japanese or Asian-flavored uh, Kit Kat. Yep. These look like Apple. He's opening his Kit Kat gift. Should we snack on these? Thank you so much. No problem. So, Happy uh, birthday. This has been another sort of... Um, a wish or a plan? I want to try all the crazy Kit Kat flavors. So here's here's. <laughs> and you like have that you had this hot yet? apple cider? No, I wouldn't dip into your gift. It smells like apple. My name is Dip, but yeah, I'm not going to dip into your. Oh wow, it's cardinal red, kind of like the you know. You like oh. that? This is weird. It is weird. How would it, you describe it, it? It tastes like a like a fresh apple. You know, like normally when candies are flavored, they're the green apple, but this tastes like like a Macintosh. Or like or a Fiji. Fiji. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Punch buggy cardinal red. Right. Well. Okay, and then one other thing I wanted to say thank you. is... Um, uh, no we problem. can snag happy, on this through the whole show. Happy birthday, and you have one more gift coming. It's on its way. Um, so you can also just throw in the, in the show notes, birthday podcast. All right. So I wanted to ask you a quick question. Yes. Why should you never go to a movie with a sports car? Where were you going to park? <laughs> spoilers so I just wanted to at the top of the show I wanted to say we're going to have some spoilers in this episode between the two of us there's a lot that both of us are going to say probably about our favorite scenes in the movies this mm. is going to be I mean we're going to be talking about each movie maybe for a minute two minutes but we're going to have spoilers yeah we're definitely going to have spoilers and I feel bad because I thought you were going to watch all the movies that were on my top ten <laughs> okay. list and I, I will I'm, I will spoil them because I think there's important parts that our 10 listeners will want to hear. Rick Flynn, probably, he's probably seen all these movies. And I know that he texts us after the shows. So shout out to um, Rick. Yeah, we miss you, Rick. We love you, Rick. Let's get into the show. All right. Do you want to flip a coin to go first, or do you want me to go first? I want to go first. I think I want you to go first. Um, let's just, yeah, let's have you go okay. first. Chips and Dips Top 10. Ten. When you're a kid, you just do. You just act. And then somewhere along the line, everyone loses. That. My number ten uh, film of the year was Minding the Gap. Okay. Is, should I jump in here and tell you where that was on my list or no? Yeah, if it's on your list, tell me. It's on my list at number six. six. Oh, wow. Okay. So Minding the Gap, it's nominated for the best documentary this year, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, it's a movie by first-time director Bing Liu. Um, he 
has been a camera assistant and cinematographer on a few H, uh, not HBO, but Netflix shows since eight uh, is one of them. And he's also worked on the Divergence movie. So he's worked in the film world, um, but he is a first time director. And I don't say, I don't think anything about this movie necessarily is about cinematography. He has a lot of great footage. Anyway, I should describe what the movie's about. So it, it follows around <laughs> these, these kids that are skateboarders in Rockford, Illinois. And, uh, and you have a lot of history there. Yeah. Full disclosure, my mother is from Rockford, Illinois, and her entire family. But Rockford is kind of a... Um, it's not kind of. It is a shitty city in the Midwest. It's uh, in between Madison and Chicago. And it used to be like a thriving industrial Rust Belt city. It's actually... Screw City is the name of, of Rockford. Really? It's like a nickname. It's called Screw City. So they must have been known for making screws. But a lot of the businesses and industries uh, in Rockford have left. And it now normally when it comes up in the news, it's on the like the money magazine, Worst Cities in America. So it follows around these three kids that grew up there and they're skateboarders. And it's kind of the cycle of abuse in their family and... Um, that kind of weird time in a young man's life from like high school to I would say 25 to 30 where you're kind of aimless and don't really know what to do. These are like kids that have been left behind and they don't necessarily have a good family structure. So it was like really interesting. And I also like think of my cousins that like still live in Rockford. If this is what their life is like. Poopy. Yeah. Well, that was one of them. Yeah. But yeah. So it really was uh, interesting to me because, because I could relate to it as a personal, you know, family r relationship, but also like we're from the Midwest, so that also relates to me. And then there were characters in the film that re reminded me of friends of ours mm -hmm. that might not have gone to college or moved away. That just kind of yeah, we talked kind of Andrew being Zach that like main yeah, character. the one that has the kid halfway mm -hmm. through yeah. constantly drinking beer very good looking guy and super kind smart of abusive but, yeah to, no, God, he does abuse his girlfriend doesn't like that, authority that, i wouldn't say andrew does no. that but no but someone who doesn't like authority and like wants wants to do things their own way so why was it your number six movie of the year the the biggest thing i uh, is so f uh, like a full disclosure on this podcast you know a lot more about movies than i do and and i'm i'm much more of a show guy than a movie guy but this was, as you said, my proclamation to watch all of your movies and the Oscar movies. And this movie for me um, was all about the realness of it and yeah. having the chronological timeline, seeing them yeah, all the, kind of grow up. Like the boyhood. fact that they had all of that footage, you know? Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of wild. And it was supposed to be a skateboarding movie. And I feel like when you first start watching it, okay, I saw mid-90s. This yeah. is just going to be kids that are skateboarders. And then uh, halfway through it, you're like, this isn't about skateboarding. This yeah. is this is like... It's about like chi child abuse and like... It's about some deep messages. Yeah. Like really deep. Yeah. What was like one of your favorite scenes? Um, I like when the director inserted himself into the movie. At first, it's we have Zach and then the other guy's name... Kyrie or something. Kyrie. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Kyrie. 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 Yeah. Something like that. So th those are the two main uh, protagonists or yeah. people we're tracing in the film. But at one point, um, the director feels like he relates too much to these two people he's following. And he needs to like 
bring up issues in his own family about his stepfather and his mother and the abuse in his family. And he sits down with his mother and they have this like really heavy conversation about um, his childhood and about the abuse in their home. And that was my favorite part because he, he like, I don't think he knew this documentary was heading there. <laughs> and yeah, and exactly. that was kind of the callus for the whole film. You just gave me chills. Exactly. I don't think he, he got it until they're sitting there and they're having that interview and his mom is having trouble communicating like all of her struggles with it. And then he's like, kind of like almost about to cry and then finally does lose it. And he's like, cut. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what, it was, what was, was your good. favorite part? I had two favorite parts. One was when Zach... He is actually crying, by the way, people that are listening. <laughs> oh, it was he actually no, crying? No, f- oh. you, you look... <laughs> oh, damn, excuse me. Cut that out. Crying right now? Yeah, it looks uh, like you're, you're tearing up. Yeah. I definitely will at some of these movies. But I had two two moments. Uh, I really liked two parts with Zach where he's just talking about like the meaning of life and wanting to do things his own way. Uh, when he's on the stairs, at the bottom of the stairs, talking about kids and, you know, not kind of almost being an absent father. And then the other one was about Kyrie or Kiri or however you say his name. <laughs> um, when the two white kids are basically talking about what racism is and privilege is. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? When they're all in the room and the one kid's like educating the other kid on what that means. And he's just sitting there kind of like listening. He's not I thought that anything. was such an interesting yeah. uh, scene. But I, I love this movie and thank you for telling me about it even though on your twitter list it was listed as mind the gap <laughs> i know it's minding the gap i, I had mind the gap like so we'll here in to, the subway you'll have uh, to post a horn on your twitter account. yeah i'll have to <laughs> update that. it's on hulu if you want to watch it and you have hulu okay so um, that one got a little extra time because we each had it on our all list. right so what's your number 10 my number 10 is 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 simple because really quick my top 10 list is more like i'm i've seen fewer movies than sure. you so mine's going to be like more like a top five best movies so the the ones from from six to ten aren't going to be as descriptive hey, hey you don't have to like <laughs> you don't have to talk down it's fine so i don't know much about any of this stuff i don't know much about movies ten. Ten. there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people the avengers infinity war was amazing for one reason maybe and one reason only which is going to be a common theme on this podcast was it josh today. brolin it was Watching it in 40x, okay. with Charles. So For, the movie going experience was important. The movie to you. It going, wasn't necessarily the movie. I was. What also did you like about the movie? Completely shocked by the message behind the movie. I the, have not seen this. Uh, yeah. Dip knows I'm not really into the Marvel movies, although I do kind of partake with the X Men. I like Wolverine. That was a good oh, movie last it, year. Yeah, but um, L- Logan. Or? Yeah, Logan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't really keep up with. I've never seen an Avengers movie, and I've seen like a handful of all of these uh, m- extended Marvel comic people. So, so we want- you got to explain it to me because I don't really know. I know like from the memes where like I don't feel well and they disappear, but I don't. It's I don't know what's going on. Basically, this goofy chinned giant man needs to collect all these crystals to get full power, and uh, it- so he's like Kajus from Hard Knocks. I don't know, <laughs> but it's um, I. You really can't say anything without spoiling the entire movie. You could spoil it. We're this is a spoiler podcast. But yeah, basically, what you find out at the end of the movie is fifty percent of the people dissolve. Oh, <laughs> where do they go? Do they just die. You don't know. You're not going to know until the next one. I have a feeling they're going to come back. But all of the Avengers come back to defeat this ultra powerful being. So do fifty percent of the Avengers die? Yeah. Who dies? 
Cap- <laughs> I know Captain America. Yeah. He's the I don't feel so well meme. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people die. We can move on to the next movie. <laughs> the main point about this movie is the 40X experience, which is all about. I saw it with Charles. They give you bubbles. They give you lightning, fog, wind, uh, 3D, everything you can ask for a movie. You ever done it? No, I thought I did it, but I haven't <laughs> experienced those. So I'm an AMC Stubbs A-list member. Oh my uh, God. And you get $20 a month. I recommend it. Anyone who likes going to the movies, uh, $20 a month. You can go to any movie you want to, which includes the Prime Theaters and the IMAX Theaters. And in New York, if you go to an IMAX 3D movie, that's like $30 just for one ticket. It's like, like ridiculously expensive. And you can go to three movies a week, and you get to reserve your seats for twenty dollars, so you can you could three times four. That's twelve. You could see twelve movies. They might as well be our bucks. sponsor. Um, yeah, they, they should be our sponsor. But there's prime theaters at AMC where they have the recliners in them, and they vibrate when things happen on the screen. So I thought that was a four D experience, but you're telling me this it's is something beyond that. Yeah, this is like one of those rides at Disneyland or wherever. Where yeah, you're moving like future uh, back to the like future. Space Invaders, where there's yeah. the voices behind the chair. They're like, that looks like my mother-in-law. Yeah, that this stuff. yeah, it's got that um, sort of omni sound thing okay. going on. All right, well, number that's a nine, good number ten, okay, nine. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My number nine is "Sorry to Bother You." Wow, it's on my list. Really, I didn't know that you saw this. So it, you didn't know I saw that? No. So it has Lakeith uh, Stanfield from Atlanta. He plays Darius, and Tessa Thompson that you might know from Westworld, and then Army Hammer. Which uh, is one of, from one of our movies that we saw last year and really enjoyed, Call Me By Your Name. I think mm. that was last year. Maybe yep. it was two years ago. No, that's last year. Um, and then also uh, Glenn from Walking Dead, Steve Yin's in it as well. So uh, basically, this I'm going to try to summarize the movie, but it's pretty absurd. And I, I think it's satirical in nature, so it doesn't necessarily follow a classic um like a film there's a lot of films that follow this hollywood narrative and this is this is different like it it goes in unexpected turns and that's why it's on my list so uh cassis that's his name right or cassius 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 he's working at a call center yeah and uh one of his co-workers tells him to do a white voice that he'll sell more if he does that and he he does and then he sells a lot and ends up going to uh a higher up level in the office and ends up selling like bombs and stuff like really bad things. And, um, Wait, what is he David Cross or is he Patton Oswald? I don't remember. Oh, his voice. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't remember. It's one of them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, eventually <laughs> he snorts what looks like cocaine and turns into, uh, a half horse, half human. <laughs> and that part is like, what the fuck is happening? <sighs> Um, I'm doing a horrible job of describing the movie, but <laughs> no, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the film? I absolutely, this is my number two, two. film of the year. Uh, Where did you see I, it? Did you just watch it at home? Um, yeah, we just watched it at home. And I, did you know anything about it when you no, saw it? That's the key. Yeah. You told me that. Did we watch Sorry to Bother You at Home? The Which theater? We saw it at Nighthawk. <laughs> Thanks, uh, and, uh, Robin, <laughs> producer piping in. It was uh, it was my number two, two movie of the year because I didn't know anything about it. Because 
of the horse turn. Yeah, the horse and, turn was so fucking weird. But also, it's an awesome message to think about. Just, I feel like the general theme this There's year. There's a lot of like race, yeah, related politics in it. Which yeah. I don't. I'm not smart enough to talk about it, but right. I recommend. I mean, it. I think you are, but, uh, but yeah, the 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 moment when like the horses start taking over. Really, the moment when the horse is discovered in that back room before he. Oh does my the drug, god! Where that's he's when like I'm like, in the, he's looking for the bathroom, yeah. and then he like turns the sheet, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Is that? And it could have went down a really stupid turn, but I thought it was really smart and fun and creative, and I, I loved it so much. But yeah, that was my number two movie of the year, so we're we're moving right along here. What's your number nine? My number nine, I have a feeling, is going to be on your list. Nine. And that is uh, starring two people from Star Wars, Annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> Annihilation is my number nine only because... I will say, similar to Minding the Gap, the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to like this. This is boring. This is such a simple message. But for me, this movie is all about the ending. And it's all about just that sort of contact vibe with uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah. I had a kind of a crush on Jodie Foster. I think she's a lesbian now. She is, yeah. Um, Still have a crush on her. But that ending that I was so surprised about, but the two of them mirroring their behavior and going in and then like the bullet shooting through that weird alien figure and swirling around like metal. I thought it was like really cool cinematically. And I, it was beautiful. And I just love the end for me. It was all about the end. Okay. Like the, the movie throughout, I did not love. It sounds like you got a lot to talk about with it. I have a lot to talk about. This is my number seven. So it's not necessarily that high up on my list, but, um, this is a movie that I still think about, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm probably going to talk about this more than the other movies. So, the director is Alex Garland, who made Ex Machina, which was one of my favorite movies from a few years ago. And that one, and right? Alicia Van Cantor won for Best Actress, um, which was great. I didn't think that she would win. And uh, it also has Oscar Isaac in it, um, one of my favorite Oscars the Zaraskar pod. (laughs) So he's in another movie with Alice Garland. It's based on a New York Times bestseller by Jeff Vandermeer uh, called, well, it's part of the Southern Reach trilogy. The first book is called Annihilation. And I actually read these books after the movie because I wanted to know more about it. You read the books? Well, I listened to the audio books. I'm not a good reader. I love when people (laughs) say that I read the book and then they said, oh, yeah, let's audio. I listened to the Audible uh, file for all three books. (laughs) I read all Game of Thrones audio. (laughs) <laughs> so he he based this off of taking his walks in uh, a national park in the northwest part of Florida, where Florida has a bunch of weird ecosystems. And he was just by himself thinking about, um, like, transformation and um, metamorphosis. And that was kind of the the structure of the film. There's a light tower there, and in the film, the light tower is is hit by. So, so there, this is adap, There's an adaptation, so it doesn't go mm-hmm. exactly like the book. But in the movie, we think that there's like an alien element to this uh, light tower because something hits down, and then we have this like, it's called the shimmer in the film. This this kind of, I thought it was beautifully done in the film. It's kind of like, like a, a like a glowing field. yeah it you walk through it and once you're under it there's just there's just this um 
metamorphosis is the best way. To, yeah. I know I already said that word, but yeah. things are changing. So there's like the, the plants, plants and animals, the like their DNA is all getting interwoven and we're seeing these mutations that are not happening in the outside world and it's growing. This shimmer is expanding like a virus. And so they're sending in expecta- uh, ex- expeditions to figure out what's going on inside it and they keep disappearing. And in the book, the characters aren't given names. They're just they're just discussed by their profession. So Natalie Portman in the film, she is a professor. She's a biologist. So in the film, she has a name. I think it's like Nina or something basic. But mm-hmm. in, in the book, she's just called the biologist. And they all... Lena. Lena was close. Um, but in the book, there is just a surveyor like pretty much like an archaeologist to talk about the structures of the buildings and survey the land and then there's the psychologist which is also in the film i think that's played by helen hunter jennifer jason lee is who you're Gen- thinking yeah of. that's what i'm thinking of yeah sorry so, to interrupt sh- no no thank she's you she's performing <laughs> she's uh hip- hypnotizing the people right so they're forgetting their memories and it's to me it reminds this is me in the book yeah, but it's yeah. also happening in the film. To me, it, it reminds me of like Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Apocalypse Now, where they're going deeper and deeper into the jungle. And as they go deeper and deeper, things keep evolving and changing, and they're losing members. Their minds are getting more fucked up. They're they're losing uh, members of their team along the way. And one of my favorite scenes in it is like this terrifying part where the one of the members dies and the biologist or Lena goes to try to find her and can't. And then later on, they're inside this abandoned house and this bear that's transformed. Yeah, that's the best. Has the scream of the person coming out of it. That was my favorite part, probably. Uh, it's just, I think it's like a beautiful movie. It it doesn't necessarily make the most sense, but I think like as a, like a mood, it's, it's really fun to watch. And especially... Like, if the only thing you got out of it was the last scene, I think it's totally worth it. Because I remember seeing it at Alamo with Jazz and just, like, sitting back and having that wall of just psychedelic colors hitting you. And the dance that they do, it, it's just beautiful. I, I want to move on just because I could talk about this longer, but I sound like an idiot, so let's continue. You don't sound like an idiot, but it is surprising that it's on my list because while I was watching it, for the first probably 50 or 60 minutes, I'm like... I don't, I don't like this movie that much. And then, uh, like, one thing you taught me a long time ago about movies <laughs> was that if you think about it afterwards, that, you know, it means that it left a, a stamp on you. Yeah. And, and it did. I, it's, like, something I, I think about the ending of that movie and a lot. I really love that minor chord that they keep playing, and I just, I kept humming that, like, yeah, yeah. it's, like, kind of like the lost smoke monster vibe it has a through line of of sound so that was your what number eight (laughs) Uh, annihilation was my number nine number nine yeah so we're only on eight but we've we've had a a lot of alignment so far okay yeah we're we've uh (laughs) we've doubled up pretty much every time so far so i guess (laughs) this is the most delicious dish like podcast we've ever done we're super serious uh because this is your topic yeah well i i didn't think we would do this so i'm kind kind of of excited yeah eight nine one one what's your emergency I'm calling to report a missing person. Okay, who is this regarding? My daughter. So my number eight is called Searching. This is a movie that most people have not seen, but it's uh, it stars Johnny Cho, uh, who's in Harold and Kumar. He plays David Kim, and he is a widowed father searching for his missing daughter. That's, that's my elevator pitch. Now, 
It sounds like like a Dateline NBC sort of Friday night special. The whole twist is the whole thing takes place as as you're looking at a computer screen. So you're watching someone navigate their computer and it's awesome but like, you don't necessarily know that until no you, you know that the whole time okay. you're just watching someone on the screen yeah uh not not someone on their screen you're watching their monitor yeah and sometimes there's video chats so you see someone facetiming or they'll bring up like a youtube clip of a news thing so they have to figure out all these different ways to tell a movie just watching someone's monitor yeah and it's awesome, and it's done by first-time directors that used to do those really emotional Google commercials. And um, oh yeah, I I think it turned out really great, and I recommend people seeing. Yeah, it. that's that's one you said Cran would love, and it sounds right at my alley too, to be honest. Eight. Does it feel different to be up there without a rope? It's obviously like much higher consequence. Number eight for me is free solo we just watched it right before the show <laughs> wow <laughs> or as as you know some of us like to call it maybe like a big apple commercial with all the um el capitan references um i what I, did you like about the movie i was Why taking your list? i was taking a lot of a lot of notes during the movie yeah but the thing that i liked about the movie the most was if if i were going to first critique it i would say this is a simple movie only about climbing in a relationship but it it felt like uh, very again like I think I lean toward documentaries because I like the realness of it, and I felt like the relationship is it's someone with a passion who is being distracted by camera people and a relationship, yeah, and uh, it's someone who can conquer great things independently, but then you're shocked to see that oh he he actually does it on his own with the camera crew there. So it's like almost a new feat on top of a feat. Because in the modern world, I feel like it's hard to do vulnerable things like that when there's so many cameras on you. So that's really what stood out for me as making it a good movie is that it was so real. Yeah. (laughs) I I have to say, like, you answered that so concisely. Like, I don't have a lot to add to it. Like, the thing I like about it, too, is that this is, like, so well professionally made like you have to be a rock climber to film this right yeah to begin yeah. with yeah and then yeah you're thinking or at least i'm thinking that i can't beat mario when you're next to me going badger 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 <laughs> badger oh look out <laughs> it's the mr melchers are saying yes. no loitering yes and he's trying to climb the hardest thing ever without a rope and there's people watching him yeah i, I wouldn't be able to do it and he yeah. does it and you're like this is like the stakes are if you're thinking about stakes in a movie, what there, stakes can't be higher. If he can't step in one place, he's gonna die. He's Do gonna you fall think it would have been better for the movie if he died? No, I don't yeah, think so. I don't not. think it would have ever been released. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think too. Like one of the things the cameraman says is he's like, "I'll never do this again." He's like freaking out. Yeah, I would be. Equally you can tell scared. how much they care about him. Right, like they're all friends, but yes, they are. They do film stuff, but right, right. And it remind. And like another thing for me is that like it. It pulled me in because it reminded me of when Josh and I were in Alaska and like I almost died just every step that you take, if you don't hit the right spot, you're going to slip and die to your death. Yeah. So that that's another reason. But um, so number seven, what's number seven for you? Unless you have anything else to say. I don't have anything else to say on that. Um, my number seven, seven was a lot annihilation. So, oh. oh, it's back to you. OK. All right. So my number seven. Um, which I feel like might not be on your list, but I think it's the first big Oscar-nominated movie 
that we've discussed. I mean, Annihilation was nominated. I don't know. I don't think it was. Well, it was nominated for some stuff. Oh, probably like the special effects. Yeah, but not like any big things. Yeah, not the acting or directing. Seven. But so my number seven is 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 Roma, and Interesting. the reason I liked Roma, again, it was. Uh, so this is I don't know how to say it, but Alfonso Carrion is it Carrion? Alfonso Carrion. <laughs> so he, uh, I one of my favorite movies ever was Children of Men. Yeah. And that I, the, long tracking <clears throat> shot's amazing. The one, the one scene where she gets—I sh- can't remember who it is. Ju- someone, some famous actor gets shot in Jude the car. Julia. Julianne Moore is that her name? Julianne Moore uh, is that her name? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Julianne Moore. But she gets shot in yeah. in the car, and then the guy is backing up. Clive, uh, Clive Owen, Owen is yeah. backing well, up. I have two actors' names in a row. <laughs> well, I really like that scene. Play that correct choice. <laughs> <laughs> but he backs up in the car, and they're all in the car, and they're all freaking out, and yeah. they're like following him on the uh, motorcycle, or whatever. That's one of my favorite scenes ever, and I felt like the whole movie. There, there's the scene where. Uh, she's buying the uh, baby cradle, I think. Sure. And all the people are protesting outside, and they like parallel park in that spot with that fancy car. They go up, they buy the cradle, and then that guy who she's was fucking, who uh, (laughs) she was pregnant with, like comes in with the gun. I love that scene so much. Yeah. And then I love the last scene in the ocean where it's like so intense, Mm -hmm. and it's something that, again going off of your logic of what sticks with you yeah during the movie i wasn't like i'm crazy about this movie but it's the movie that is most stuck with me almost of any oscar film so i have a similar uh emotional attachment but not to children of men but to gravity i had like a panic (laughs) attack watching (laughs) that movie because i can't swim i'm a really bad swimmer and like there's a lot of bad dialogue. Of, She's like, crying the entire movie. Sandra Bullock and like people that aren't there. But the fact that she like escapes the shuttle, goes into the Russian one and crashes back to earth and gets through the atmosphere and doesn't burn up alive and then lands. And then that vessel she's in sinks and she has to break the glass and get all the way up to the top of the water. I seriously had a panic attack watching that because I couldn't, like... Were you in the theater? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I respect him as a director, but this film was, like, a little too small for me. And, um... Why small? Because, like, it was... It was, like, an upstairs-downstairs story about Cleo, you know, the house cleaner. And I didn't particularly like any of the family members and I didn't think there was anything that was that um, memorable about her experience. I know she gave birth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, you know, didn't care that uh, the baby was dead and then almost drowned as she saved the kids. Uh, so there are memorable things that happened. What do you mean didn't happened. care that the baby was dead? What do you mean? She said that at the end. Oh, oh yeah. yeah okay. She didn't, she didn't want the baby. Yeah. yeah but, well, why would you under those circumstances? Um, but it was based on his childhood I know in Mexico was. City, which is um, cool. I, it, it's beautifully shot, but I just, I'll never watch that movie again. And just the details of that car, that big car coming into the yeah. the garage or whatever it was, all the dog poop, and yeah. just like that being a zone and a setting that you keep coming back to. I just love how it was shot. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful, but it's not a movie I'd ever want to watch again. <laughs> 
I don't know if I that agree. makes sense to you. Yeah, but that's me with almost every movie, movie except for like eighth grade. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All the movies that we've talked about, I would watch. I would not watch any of the movies on my list again, except for maybe Annihilation so far. Okay. Okay, so what's your number six? Six. I want you to be my VP. Well, George, I, uh, I'm the CEO of a large company. My number six um, is Vice. Wow. You're saying that. I don't think you liked Vice. That's why you wow. said, I like that. So the thing, the thing no, I like I about the- Vice, um, it's directed by Adam McKay, who is known as a funny guy. He's like comedy partners with Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and wrote on SNL. He was the head writer there. He did Anchorman, Teledig and Knights and Step Brothers. Um, but he has this way of taking these really heavy topics and making them digestible and funny, even if things shouldn't be funny and they're like terribly disturbing and you want to like go away and not like put your head underneath your pillow and not get out of bed. You know, like he did the big short, which no one understands the financial, you know, stock crisis, that whole thing. And he made it fun by bringing in celebrities to talk about these really, you know, hard to understand things like um, reverse rocket mortgages. I know that's not a thing. I just combined a couple things. (laughs) Is it not a thing? Sounds like a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, Christian Bale and Will Ferrell, I'll tell you that. But Christian Bale, like, that's another thing. He became Dick Cheney in this. Like, his mannerisms, the way he looked, how much weight he gained, it's it was incredible. I know it's not an Oscar podcast yet segment, but do you think he'll win Best Actor? I hope he does. I love Rami Malek, but that's because I like Mr. Robot. and He, he was amazing. Though. Uh, <clears throat> I know he was great, but that movie's problematic we'll get to that in the second um yeah save it for the podcast um but christian bale i think should win and if he doesn't win i'd rather have bradley cooper win it's it's three uh, i think amazing those are the the primary three even though i didn't see willem defoe's but yeah i haven't seen that either honestly yeah no uh we watched vice last last night no we watched this morning (laughs) and what'd you think um i so Adam McKay is someone who I've known for a long time, mostly because of Comedy Bang Bang. He's like a regular guest on Comedy Bang Bang, and I can only think of him as like an extremely funny person, which is kind of what you're saying, like all of his, all of his Anchorman stuff and Will Ferrell. And I think they did, um, uh, what's the web comedy thing? Oh, Funny or Die. Funny He's or Die. Like one yeah. of the yeah primary or yeah founders of it. Yeah, but I, I there were certain things about the movie. I'm just like, why is that there? I didn't, I didn't get it, and like. Like, well, just like, like, I don't know, just like the WhatsApp, like showing the setting of the time, like the survivor, like the little, they cut in like scenes from survivor and cut in like WhatsApp. And I'm like, this is just like, I get what you're saying yeah. about so, it, it being a digestible topic. Yeah. But at the same time, I just felt like the only good part of the movie was Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Like, ama- like I, amazing I know, performance. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I had the similar conversation when I was getting my hair cut, um, <laughs> Emily. Uh, Tufts Barber Shop. If you're ever looking for a haircut in the city, um, <laughs> she's a very she, she, um, she also like wasn't a huge fan of it. But on reflection afterwards, you know how I say like if you think about a movie, you know, a day later. Sometimes I watch movies and I can't remember anything after I saw it. It's just in one. That's most movies. Eyeball for me. out the ear. 
out the butt. I don't know. Yeah. But this movie, I still think about. Yeah. And she said that if it was completely serious the whole time, it would have been just too hard to watch because like he's so evil, you know, and you need that levity in the movie with all these, you know, things that he does in comedy, like, uh, you know, sketches that he does. So there's like that Shakespearean thing, which I know is not everyone's thing while they're in bed talking about it or like, I like this a lot where they're at the restaurant and they're talking about all the evil things that, that they want. That like, was cool. Can I have one of one of everything on the on the menu? That was like, cool. I I think that it needs like the. I know it might be like over the top with the the tiger or the the lion like intercut in there, but I think it needs that stuff. Like halfway through the movie, where the credits just roll and you're like, he's now a dog breeder with his wife and he never did politics again, because you're like. Things could have been so much different now if it just would have stopped there, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I I just I feel like it needed that element of comedy to it. And there's a lot of Republicans that could be like, "Well, I don't like that movie." And Adam McKay's response to it is like, "You got everything you wanted. Why don't you like it?" Right? Yeah, because he actually is painted in a pretty good light, like with his daughters and stuff, and. Like, Who's painted Dick Cheney? Dick Cheney? Like in terms of his fam- t- uh, family, between character. his daughters. What are you yeah, talking about? Like, one of them ran for government and then like well, disowned the other one. Yeah, but throughout she's a lesbian. Yeah, but you only get that at the end of the movie. Throughout yeah. the movie, you see like how much he loves his daughters. What did you think of Jesse Plemons as the narrator? I thought that the whole time I'm like, oh, so he's a war vet. Like that's what I thought. And then when he got hit, I thought he was going to be like a husband or part of the family. It was like that was probably the hardest part in the movie for me. Not like that I didn't buy it, but that like it like stings because you're like here's like a good person who's a war veteran, and then he Dick Cheney should die, and it should be over then, and then he gets a brand new heart. That from, for me was the most brilliant part of it was was him being like telling his not his story, but just kind of like hearing his tone. Even though it just sounded like Leonardo DiCaprio like directing. What did you or, think uh, of um, narrating something? What did you think of um, Rumsfeld? See, no, it was just like he's just Michael Scott. I, yeah. like, I like in Beautiful that, Boy. Though. In I, Beautiful I like Boy, that. he was different. But yeah, he's I just like doing the he's same like, exact cadence in his voice. He was like Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah. I liked it though. Yeah. Um, I I heard uh, Adam McKay on a different podcast. He was not on ours, and he said there could have been like a whole Rumsfeld and Cheney like buddy cop sort of movie. Yeah, like there, he talked about a time when they're working together when Nixon was president, and there are a bunch of protesters out on the on the square where. Um, you know, the Lincoln Memorial mm-hmm. is, and you've got that big water. Yeah, and the Washington were, Monument. Yeah. Am I saying these? I thought it was yeah. the Lincoln Memorial. Well, that's on one side, and then the Washington Monument. What is the, the water part called? I don't know what that's called. What did you say? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, they, they were, um, they went down to see what the protesters were doing, and there were a bunch of hippie women just topless swimming around in that pool. And uh, Dick Cheney and uh, Rumsfeld just sat down and, we're smoking and watching the topless women for like three hours and then went back to the white house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he went to UW Madison, Dick Cheney. He, he didn't graduate from there though. No, but yes, <laughs> I do know that. I was wondering if they're going to bring it up in the movie at all. But I was they too. Okay. So let's move on. All right. What's what was that? Six? That was my number six. Number six, six for me was minding the gap. I already did. Okay. It. Uh, what's your number five? Five. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. 
Number five for me is another Oscar nominated movie. And um, it's one we've been talking about a lot. It's one that we're probably going to do a performance of and post on Instagram and Snapchat. Um, it's a movie that's been re. This is the fourth rendition of the movie. It was made in 1937, 1954, 1976, and then 2018. It's a star is born. This is your number five? It's my number five movie. I thought this was going to be your number one. I, I don't know why I like the movie so much. I, I think that, you know, this you have three... This is your fourth time. Like, you get to watch all these other movies and, like, really understand the story and see how it went and how you can do it better. So it feels like in that way it might not be as worthy of being loved so much. But I didn't see those other movies. And sure. this, this to me was like a first time experience. I love so much about A Star is Born. If you haven't seen A Star is Born, it's basically about this drunken, um, basically almost like country musician who uh, sees... I would say Southern Rock. Southern Rock musician. He plays a type of musician that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Who, who just like basically sees something in uh, Lady Gaga and then... <laughs> the star is born. <laughs> you got to do a better job than that. I'm not trying to explain this, but I don't know anything about movies. I just know what makes me feel good. And the reason this movie made me feel so good is because I love um, watching things deteriorate. Like watching Bradley mm. Cooper deteriorate was really awesome for me. And, and like seeing the imbalance in their yeah. relationship and all of that. And I just got a good feeling from it. I always get a good feeling from like really, really, really dark stuff like that. I, I enjoyed Is this the movie. on your list? No, it does not make my top 10. Um, I thought about putting it in there, but I didn't I didn't want to bump anything out, and I knew you were going to have it on your list. How did you know? Because you haven't seen that many movies, and you've talked about this one a lot to me. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed the first hour a lot. Um, when it kind of lost me was when Allie, the lady gaga character was ascending and for some reason she decided to listen to like a publicist or like a manager that told her to like become more of a poppy uh dance sort of artist and it didn't really feel true to the movie because if she has this huge crowd that already likes her like southern rock duo let's say she's like june and johnny cash you know where they're this duo why would she change if there's already an audience for her and maybe this is more of like a critique on pop culture or or like pop music today where maybe she didn't necessarily want to make the sort of dance poppy music that she did and i don't i don't know if she was involved in the writing of this at all though <laughs> so that part was really tough for me and like I, I love the Bradley Cooper character throughout all of the movie. Like I believe the whole thing of like him battling alcohol and then having this person in his life. And then like that sort of battle between she's a bigger star than me now. And he has a little resentment there and it doesn't come out in his normal day, but when he's drunk, it comes out, which you, your favorite scene is when he shoves a donut in her face. And uh, I don't understand why that's your favorite scene. <laughs> But because it's it feels like true love, almost like taking but that abuse. Doesn't, that <laughs> it's <laughs> resentment to me. I I saw that as resentment, not as love. Well, you can see it as resentment for sure. 
it's not necessarily my favorite scene. I was just kind of saying that to be controversial. But I do think when when someone does something bad to you and you can look beyond it, you can be like, oh, they did this horrible thing to me, you know, when they're drunk. Because that's what happens in relationships. Yeah. No, you I, see it with me and Grant all the time. Uh, you see it with everyone. But that part I, I don't like because I feel like it's violent from um, what's his Bradley Cooper's character Jackson Maine towards Allie like I feel like it's violent there's a part where he does a similar thing where she wins the award and she brings him on stage and he like wets himself and he's like doing a really shitty thing to her and he doesn't mean to do it and she like still loves him regardless for it yeah yeah and I think that's the same thing as the donut in the face but it's like more true yeah yeah, it's you're making me think of a lot of things right now. But but for that scene specifically, I remember like my you know when you're watching like this happened in Free Solo, when you're watching a movie and like your shit tightens up. Like yeah. I felt all tight during that scene, which means that it like it fully captivated yeah. me, and I was so invested and like it felt very real to me, and that's why I loved it because I feel like first of all Bradley Cooper doing all of that stuff is crazy, like. Yeah. directing and acting and no I think he's writing. great and yeah. like as much as I say I don't like the Ellie character changing and becoming this pop star her manager when it's just him and Bradley Cooper is like you can't come on the road with us and like that being the motivating factor of him killing himself like I bought that where yeah. he's like I don't want to ruin her life because I can't get my shit together and right. he's tried to get right. it together and he can't right like I buy that why he would like end it yeah but the whole like her deciding to change her music and then at the end I she's like that. she goes back to well you know i'm gonna actually do the music i want to do now like um but it's a great movie and, right and uh i know it's not on my top 10 list but that's what i want to win best picture one of my favorite scenes ever and you said the same thing was uh oh, shit sam elliott yeah when he's backing out of the oh driveway. yeah that's super powerful i and i think I, that's I like more that. of a, a guy scene um, yeah, well, two guys being emotional with yeah, each other is yeah, fucking crazy. No, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we've been emotional. Have we been emotional together the, before? The, you know, yeah, we've of yeah. course we've been emotional. Yeah, Sunnyvale, before, but, uh, yeah, Sunnyvale, one of the places. Maybe uh, tonight. <laughs> the last night of drinking for a while. No, I I really love that scene because yeah, guys aren't really emotional. Like I don't have a brother, but you do. You have two brothers. Two and a half, really. Very rarely get emotional, yeah. But like the 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 whole thing where they used to be brothers, they were musicians. I know it's a stretch because Sam Elliott's a lot older than Bradley Cooper. Yeah. But uh, you know when he's like, uh, I didn't, I didn't look up to Dad. It was you. <laughs> Something like that, and then he just puts it in reverse and backpedals and tries not to cry. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good scene. Okay, so what about you? So that was my number five. What was your number five? Five. My number five is A Quiet Place. This is one I haven't seen, so this is all you. Convince okay. me. So this is with the power couple, Emily Blood and John Krasinski, a.k.a. Jim from The Office. <laughs> oh, man. And I hate it already. Why do you hate it already? I just got an issue with Jim. I don't know why. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So this is a very small movie, which means it had a small budget, and it became a huge sensation. I'm surprised you haven't seen this yet. One of my favorite things about this movie is it's The Quiet Place, so there's very little sound in the entire thing. It's very quiet. 
and being in New York City, my biggest pet peeve, we might get to this later in the show, <laughs> is people that talk in the movies and even in New York, like this was dead silent in the middle of the movie. So everyone is like completely concentrated on this show. Um, I don't want to go too much into the actual plot of the movie because I want you to see it. But basically, there is a monster alien invasion. There's something unknown that is killing people that make noise. So you have to be completely quiet. Oh, this actually sounds really cool. Uh, I don't know if you saw Bird Box. I haven't seen Bird Box. I haven't but, seen it. Uh, I guess that's kind of similar, but, um, but only with <laughs> sight instead of sound. <laughs> but another great thing about it is it's very succinct. It's like 90 minutes, so you can tell a whole story in and out, and it's done mm-hmm. in that amount of time. And there's some really great child actors in it, and the, uh, the daughter is actually deaf. So there's a lot of sign language in the movie because they can't speak. And that's why this family sur- survives so long is because they all know sign language. So they don't mm. really need to speak. And they move out of the city. It takes place, I would guess, upstate New York. But this might have been a family that lived in Brooklyn because that's where the Krasinskis live now. Mm. And um, they basically move to a farm. And they live on a farm. Um, and they do sign language. And... <laughs> <laughs> they survive. <laughs> they go into the city, kind of like Walking Dead, and take stuff from the pharmacy or whatever they need. Yeah. Um, but. Oh, that sounds like a nice setting. That's definitely my type of weird apocalyptic setting that I love. Yeah, I didn't like the the monster. That's my only negative for it, but I think it was excellent. And the fact that it's like a small movie that was able to do this, it's, I think it's definitely worth seeing and worth the number five spot. So, do what's you your see number the five? monster? You do oh, too much. Have like I feel a like Gilbert it, Godfrey voiceover. No, there's no Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> you see um, the monster too much. You see What's the my number five? Too much? I wish you would see less of it. That's my only like <laughs> negative. Less is more when it comes to like monster movies, especially low budget ones. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the scariest movie. Like ever Stranger is... Things. Like you didn't need to see the Stranger no. Things monster at all. That's why I love uh, Paranormal Activity or whatever. Like most people don't like that, but it's so it's scary ghosts. because so you don't you see never, yeah, yeah, ghosts are the scariest thing you can get because it's the fears and the mystery and the absence of understanding. I did, I already told you my number five. Stars born. My number four. 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 Is maybe going to be an unconventional selection, but it is something that another one I watched with you that I I love so much. It's probably my favorite thing of the year, but I didn't feel right about putting it at number one because I think it's it's not really a movie. It's a short. It's an animated short. I loved Bow so much <laughs> that I had to put it on the list. I put it at number four. Wow. Bow, I, I absolutely loved it. Did you cry? Yes, I cried at every single one of those. <laughs> it is beautiful. So Bow's a story of... Uh, this kind of fits right into my quiet place, too, because there is no dialogue. Th- and that's and that's one of my critiques about it. There's no dialogue, and it's short. So it's relatively... And it's like a huge budget, because it's Walt Disney it's or whatever. Pixar, yeah. Yeah, so it's, they had a huge budget, but it's a story of basically... A, a Chinese Canadian family who makes these bows, which is basically a meat filled or veggie filled bun dumpling dumpling. Yeah. And they, uh, this, this little dumpling that she's about to eat turns out to be like a little baby child, baby boy. 
and she's about to eat him and then and then he's like ow <laughs> and she starts to raise this dumpling and it's so it's like so amazingly creative and i did not expect any like every time it went to a new place i was like i didn't expect that and i loved everything about it it made me feel good it made me cry it made me uh happy it had a lot of elements of a movie that we're probably gonna get to um <laughs> did it make you think of your mom <laughs> not so much because i always had a good connection with my mom i, I kind of have that back and forth it, it didn't it wasn't very relatable for me okay but it was more just like um cute and really smart and creative. did you feel more of the mother or the bow i felt more of the mother because because i felt like <laughs> i felt like uh that's how a lot of friends i've had you know i feel like you see a lot of your friends kind of change you know what i mean and then leave you yeah but they always come back do they no <laughs> it's just you and i <laughs> well i love know. that that's your number four <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on it I think it's a beautiful movie, and I hope that it wins the short. And yeah. I can't really add anything more, so let's okay. move along. Okay. So you're number four. 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 My mother was a very secretive and private woman. My number four is a little, <laughs> a little different. It's hereditary. Okay, another one I haven't seen. So you go ahead. So I'm probably going to spoil a little bit of this, but I'll keep some of the plot out. We we so, at the beginning gave the gave the warrant uh, the terms and conditions. So. so I love Alfred Hitchcock, and this is like watching a brand new Hitchcock film. And it's the reason why I say that is he was the master of suspense when it comes to like horror thriller movies, and this is a very suspenseful film. And it's the, just the writing of it is like a masterclass. There's so many things where you could watch it over and over again because they they plant seeds and you always talk about your dating advice is to plant seeds yes. and then let that seed grow up and then you fuck the, the plant. <laughs> it's critical. But uh, in this, there'll, there'll be one little thing from a scene at the beginning. Well, let's say a girl's eating chocolate. And you're like, okay, she likes chocolate. And then you hear that she has an EpiPen. And then you're at a party and someone's making brownies and they're chopping with a knife. So you think the knife is the important thing to watch because it's a horror movie. Or at least you go in thinking it's a horror movie. But they're chopping walnuts. And then pretty soon the girl's having an asthmatic attack. <laughs> and you realize she ate brownies. <laughs> The way you're describing this makes me feel like I'm watching a movie. Like, I'm fully watching you. You're so doing the such son, a good job. The son is freaking out because he's like, oh, shit. I brought this girl to this high school party, and she's way too young to be here anyway. And now I have my sister who's, like, having an <coughs> epileptic shock and is going to die. So I got to get her in the car to drive her to the hospital. So he's driving to the hospital, and she puts her head out the window because she's trying to grasp for air. And there's a raccoon that swerves on the road, so he swerves over, and then her head gets decapitated on a sign. Oh my god! So that I want to say, like, I just ruined the beginning of the the movie for you, but that's the setup. Well, you so, didn't ruin it because you said epileptic shock, and you said <laughs> raccoon swerved on the road. Both things; those things are hilarious. Okay, well, I got excited. I might. Have, uh, <laughs> chips over my words there but anyway that's the beginning of the film so you have the son that killed yeah. his sister and he has to like live with that 
with his parents for the rest of his life. They show him like driving back to the house and then being like, what the fuck do I do? Do I tell my parents this? He just goes to bed and lays there and is crying the whole night. Can't sleep at all. And then his mom gets up, walks outside and sees like his sister's body, but not the head there. (laughs) So that's how the movie starts. And then it's about like this family trying to get over this. And like the resentment the father and the mother feel towards the son. And there's nothing he can ever do to like recover from that. Yeah. So it's got the attention getter and then you're like. Yeah. But then there's other like spiritual elements that are part of the movie later on. Like Anne Dowd, who I love and everything. She's Aunt Lydia in um, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. She's in the film. And whenever she's in something, you're like, there's got to be something up with her. Yeah. She's really good. Oh, yeah. So anyway, it's I feel like it's a mostly about a, a movie about how people cope with loss, but it's it's brilliant, and I'm sorry that I ruined it for you because I was completely shocked when that happened. <laughs> and Dowd, she could have played uh, Olivia Coleman's character, or Shannon Dowd. Shannon <laughs> Dowd. All right, oh, man, your, no, okay, I gotta watch that number one. four, or number, number three? three, no, no, number three, three. Brooklyn is gonna collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. My Whoa. number three is. Um, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I I I loved this movie so much because uh I I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to have as much humor as it was and I wasn't expecting it to be so much like adult entertainment. It almost yeah. had like this this SpongeBob that was even smarter than that. Like it was a really smart movie. And, um, like, one of my favorite scenes is when he wasn't really accepted by the other spider people. And, you know, you, you have the John Mulaney pig and the, and the, uh, <laughs> the, um, who's the... Nicholas Cage. Yeah, Nicholas Cage. Josh Jackson. Yep. And, and they're all basically saying, like, they're hanging outside the building and they're like, he's not going to do it. We got to let him go. And they're waiting for him to basically get out of the chair. And then he's tied up in the chair and his dad comes to the door and his dad gives him that speech while he's tied up. And that was, is a theme in a lot of the movies on my list, which is just like this theme of, uh, a, of a father or a, or a mother giving a like thoughtful speech to their child about how they're being raised. And we're going to come to this a lot in my <laughs> number one. But... Uh, but I really like that scene, and I really like th- that the uncle w- ended. You know, the uncle was the bad guy. Was he the bad guy? Uh, yeah, I guess we don't really know. But I, I love it. I love this movie for so many reasons. I love that he was like a minority. Yeah. Um. And the the main message of the movie for me was anyone can be a hero. You know, and yeah. I like that message. I thought it was a beautiful uh, film, and it, I was trying to replace one of my top 10. And again, I thought that you would bring it up, so I didn't want to take anything off my list. But I also really enjoyed this film, and I, I really want it to beat the the Pixar like dynasty that wins every year at Incredibles. the Oscars. I feel like, yeah, I feel Incredibles 2 is nominated this year, but yeah. Spider-Man, like Into the Spider-Verse, was incredible, and I love that it was like this it's multi- incredible. Incredible, amazing Spider-Man. 
it was it was delightful to watch this. <laughs> delightful, yes, yeah, pretty solid. Um, what about you? What's your I, number three? All right, we'll or unless on. you have more, you have more to say. Sorry, not really. I just I, I like the multicultural part of it. It was fun to watch because it it was taking place in New York and we live here and I don't know. I I feel like w- where we both live, there's a big Dominican and also Puerto Rican you know community. Yeah, and it was nice that instead of in these New York movies where there's Spider Man's just this white kid that there are other people that are not white and it's it's time for them to have a movie yeah absolutely and if you wanted the white spider-man you got like the overweight josh jackson joshua jackson like (laughs) depressed guy where mj leaves him and i thought that was funny because he takes off the spider-man suit and his gut hangs over yeah and the chick was really hot too oh so yeah the that with the side hair yeah Yeah. Uh, that's like pedophilia and like some other i don't know it's pedophilia yeah she was attractive though for uh and the big guy was the guy with the small head and the big body he was hot bad guy well i don't know about that was it kingpin (laughs) that was his name All right, that was your number three. Yep. Seriously, that was your number three. Yep. We're we're running out of things here, and I feel like we're we're only an hour and a half in, and we said this is going to be twenty minutes, and the All Star Game's on. Okay, so (laughs) we got to cut this into two podcasts. Then, like I said, three. Dad, let's go. Can you tell me where you live? In the park. Okay, so my number three is leave no trace, and. This, yeah. is, this is like a theme that you said you yeah. said this on the last one with uh, <laughs> Spider-Man, but <laughs> this is probably like the perfect type of movie that I like to see. Yeah. So it's a small sort of movie and it tells just like a, a classic sort of story about a family connection, but also like not feeling part of a community. So it opens up with... Um, Ben Foster and his daughter living in a national park in Oregon. And as the movie goes on, you learn that he is a uh, military veteran dealing with PTSD and like living in normal cities with the sound and stuff is like too much for his, you know, sensory. And he likes to live off the grid and his daughter lives with him and he's been like a really great father and teacher and she's super smart, but she doesn't have the socialization skills because she just lives with her dad. And at some point someone running or taking their dog on a trail comes across them and they get uh, apprehended um, and forced to live a normal life. And they try to work their way to living off the grid again and leaving no trace. It's a beautiful movie. And if you haven't seen it, Please watch it. You can watch it on Amazon Prime for free. I know. I, th- I think movies like this are a little bit easier, though, because there was so little dialogue. You know, it's mostly just one word lines and then, yeah. And and that's the part I cried on. When she's when she left, freeing she's him. She's like, yeah. I, I need to leave. Yeah. Did you she- cry? Do you cry at movies? Uh, yeah, I do. I'm an emotional person. You know I know you're emotional, but I feel like you don't cry at movies. Like, I cry at movies, which is relatively new i mean i cry i cried at years. shark tank so yeah i cry at movies <laughs> cry at shark tank it was a really sad family story i don't want to bring it up i don't want to cry again what's your number two number two is already said sorry to bother you what's your number two two stop it out you mock me if i were a man i would ravish you the favorite <laughs> i don't think you like this movie <laughs> I feel like we almost have to save this for the Oscars, my portion of it. Go ahead. Okay. So 
the director is uh, Yurgo Lanthimos, who did a couple of my favorite films, Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster. And this is a period piece, so it takes place in the 18th century in England where they're at war with France. And it revolves around Queen Anne, who's played by Olivia Colman, and then Lady Sarah, who is Rachel Weiss, who is basically running the country, and then Abigail, who is a common girl played by Emma Stone. He used to be from a noble family that's been kind of tarnished because of her alcoholic father sold her away as like a prostitute in a gambling game. Anyway, it's all about trying to uh, become the the hand of the queen, if you will. And uh, <laughs> Literal hand of the I, queen. I love this film. I thought it was hilarious. Um, it's shot beautifully. They only use daylight and candles. And it's done in an actual I like, didn't know that. building that, you know, like a like a castle that they actually would have lived in. And um, it's, it's just great. I mean, I, I love so many scenes in this film. There's, there's dancing scenes that are funny between like the people in court and then Emma Stone and the queen when they're getting to know each other with their little sticks because the queen is sick with gout and they're spinning around. There's a part where she's sneaking around in the library while Rachel Weiss is like having sex with the queen, which is great. They have a masturbation motif through the entire film. It starts while Emma Stone is on the carriage on the way to the castle. And there's a guy just jerking off in front of her. And then we go to the scene where they're racing ducks. And there's a guy that's like petting his duck on the neck. And then they're in the court. And there's a guy with like one of his canes and he's just stroking it. And then on the wedding night, Emma Stone just gives his, her husband a hand job. And then there's a lot of just fingering the queen. <laughs> I, I just, I loved it. I've seen it twice. I might see it again. I know you have a lot of feelings for it. So if you want to save it for the, the next podcast where we actually talk about the Oscars, that's fine. But what's your initial thought? I, I will save it for the next one. Um, my, my feelings are centered around my environment while watching it mm. and you my, watched it here didn't you no you my, watched it in a movie theater you want me to talk about it now no 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 okay. you can save it seems like we're running late anyway yeah, we are. i kind of want to watch the all-star game so. okay yeah me too so but i one thing i have to say speaking of the all-star game the greek freak this guy he's greek yorgos yeah. yorgos um so uh but but really quick i didn't know that about the the candle lighting and the daytime that that is amazing because it was shot really beautifully um but yeah i'll save it because i have a lot to say about this movie a lot but so i think we're on to number one number one okay (laughs) and i i think um i just have a feeling we both have the same one (laughs) yeah most people would probably think it would be our Eighth pick. <laughs> it's number one. One. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard. What's yours? It's like, <laughs> should we say it at the same time? Yourself? If it is, yeah. should we say our number one movie at the same time? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Eighth grade. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you want to summarize it or do you want me to? You, of course. Okay. I'm not good at that. So, this is uh, directed by Bo Burnham. Did I say his name? <laughs> 
Um, it stars a newcomer, Elsie Fisher, and um, <laughs> it's all in the title. It's just about a girl's eighth grade year. And this movie, you said I don't cry in movies. I cried in this movie. Oh. This is all about the small details. Like the, oh. this, this ran me through the gamut of emotions Same. where you feel happy, you're laughing, you feel awkward, you feel depressed, you feel sad, you feel prideful at the end. Like you're proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is all about her. So uh, the girl's Kayla, and she is Mandy. kind of a loner. <laughs> She's a combination of Mandy and Cran. So no bags and it's a very quiet girl who doesn't really speak to her classmates. And I know there was a whole year where Cran didn't uh, talk to anyone, and she had to talk to someone to get a cat. Maybe more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I just love the little things in this movie, and I didn't I didn't write a big summary because I feel like it's in the title. It's all yeah. about this girl's eighth yeah, grade. I mean, but here's some things that I really enjoyed. So, Kayla has acne, and she's mumbling a lot. And um, I feel like in some of these movies, if you were gonna disnify it, this girl would be kind of like the Rachel Lee Cook, and she's all that. Where if they wanted to make her unattractive, they just put her in overalls and make her wear glasses. But she'd still be super fucking yeah. hot. Yeah, and this is like a this is what a girl in eighth grade looks like. You know, yeah. she does, she's not in the best shape, but she's not like overweight. She's just like normal looking, super realistic. Yeah, and um, there, there's like. Some of my favorite parts is the band with the band director with the, with the, <laughs> Pony the rat tail, the rat tail. Yeah. and then playing the national anthem out of key. And I listened to a, a podcast with Bo and he said like that wasn't necessarily part of the film. That's the actual band teacher at that school where they filmed. Like this is perfect. You have to be at it. Yeah. The assembly where the principal is trying to get everyone to behave. And he's like, do you want to act like children or do you want to act like adults? You know, like, that's just something that you remember from being in those assemblies. And then, like, the kid be like, LeBron James! LeBron James! I mean, yeah, you just you just hit it on the head. When when you said, like, uh, it's, it, it's so relatable, it's so real. Yeah. That, like, that was my favorite part about it is, basically, it's, uh, first of all, the first thing you said was, it's the only movie, I think, ever where I've cried from being happy and from being sad, and from being, well, just those two. But, yeah. And then the second part, being like, every part about that movie, I felt like was relatable of being in eighth grade for it was all generations. very relatable. It's, well, it's not, not every part of it. There's a technology aspect where I can't relate, where she's on the Instagram Yeah, but it's still, the when Facebook they're in the, like, and cafeteria, and they're on Snapchat, and they're talking, she's talking with the older people. Yeah. Like, and then her dad's, like, hiding out oh, upstairs. Oh, yeah. Like, that still is so relatable. Where he's like just parents. He's so happy for her, and she's so embarrassed. Like I, that dynamic, that embarrassment. Like that's so relatable as a yeah. teenager. Just like yeah, you, things playing, that wouldn't embarrass you now, but you're like, oh, yeah. why is my dad watching me? Yeah, playing soccer. I hated it when my mom would scream my name playing soccer. Not that that happened in the movie, but it reminded me of that. Yeah, and then the biggest. You saw me before we started the show, rewatching and recrying at the scene um, when when they're around the fire and she's burning herself uh, effigy thing of yeah. her hopes and dreams, and she throws it in the fire and she says something like, "Dad, um, basically, am I a loser? Like, if, yeah. if my if I was my mom, I would think I was a loser or whatever." 
And that scene for me was the most powerful scene of any movie I've ever seen probably in the past like 10 years. Because it's just, it's so raw. And like whoever the dad actor is, I don't know his name, he does such a good job in that scene. And then she like rushes to hug him. And she has this moment where like, oh, he is my dad and I do love him. And I shouldn't just be on my phone all the time like when she is at dinner or whatever. But And everyone in that theater, I think the movie watching experience, we watched it at BAM maybe. We watched that one together. No, we watched that at... um Elmo Draft House. Elmo Draft House. And everyone in the theater, Thumb was with us. We all were like experiencing these emotions together. I remember like listening and everyone's like laughing and being emotional. And that's how a movie should be. Yeah. That's, you know? that's why I love going to the movie theater because it is a communal thing and yeah. you can't have a second screen in uh, front well, yeah. of you. We'll talk about but, the favorite. Well, those tomorrow. are pet peeves. But anyway, um, <laughs> you mentioned how this made you feel. There was a movie last year that was, I feel like, took a lot of shade or shine off of. <laughs> I should have. You're gonna have to play the trumpet. Yeah. yeah, but Lady Bird was what a lot of people yeah. were into last year, and I feel like this movie is so much better yeah. than that. Yeah. But because we just had that movie, it's not nominated for best picture, and Elsie Fisher is not nominated for best actress, and it's not even nominated for best screenplay, which is usually like the category that if you're not going to win the best movie of the year they usually like throw a bone so last year get out won for best screenplay yeah. this should have been nominated for that yeah it's you know it's a word that i hate but it feels like the biggest two the two movies that and we'll get to the next part the two movies that feel like the biggest oscar snub is uh um uh eighth grade and won't you be my neighbor those are the two movies where i'm like shocked yeah that they weren't nominated for something yeah but yeah, this is Chips and I. This is our number one. And um, you have anything else to say about it? Yeah. So just a couple more things, and then we'll cut this off, and we'll do our Oscar one uh, for. We'll save that for the next pod. <laughs> but seventy-nine uh, minutes. <laughs> so I feel like they left the door open for this to be like a twelfth grade too. So almost like uh, Linklater, how he did Boyhood and they filmed for seven years straight. I feel like they could yeah. bring this back in four years. And yeah. It would be a, an unbelievable thing. Do it and, again for a college and, graduation too. And then one one other thing that maybe should not be the final note, but um, the music in this movie is, amazing. is scored wonderfully it's amazing and one of the best people that like does scores now i guess you could call him a composer um what's his name it was a she who did the score for it though yeah but i'm trying to think of he he's nominated for if beale street could talk and he did the the vice one as well nicholas oh um retell yep so he did vice and beale street this year he did moonlight and whiplash uh, so he's a, like a really great composer. He probably has the job that you want of yeah. any job yeah. to make scores for movies. He's and, amazing. And he said like this is the best score that he's ever heard basically. So that la- that chick's name is Anna Meredith and I after that movie cuz I remember I don't know if we were talking about it or or not or if we just silently both felt that way. But I looked her up and she's like you know she's she's no one like in terms of what she's has a history with she's just a musician basically um and this is like her first real project and uh that was everything about the movie for me was perfect 
There's nothing I didn't like, especially for like having a young YouTube star director, having like basically a non act, like non actor yeah. being the lead and doing like so incredibly well. <laughs> We're getting really excited about eighth grade. Do you have any comments on eighth grade before we close the podcast? Okay. It was great, but it didn't get nominated for any Oscar. Yeah, that's our great too. <laughs> There's Bo though. There's Bo. What All else? Right. What else? Anything else? No, I, I feel like we should just wrap it up here, and then uh, we'll have to be back tomorrow for the Oscars. It was such a serious podcast, I feel like, because we both care about yeah. movies. It, well, I mean, you care a lot about movies. I, I had to do a lot of studying and research. Well, did you enjoy watching the films that you I, saw? I feel like I watched too normally many Normally, you don't movies. watch movies. Yeah, I'm more of a show guy. I know. I am, too, honestly. But I feel like over the last few years, the golden age of television kind of ended yeah and movies are better than tv now i disagree with that i feel like the golden age of television is happening all these no. great hbo shows all these great character development shows high maintenance i love high maintenance um, there's so many good shows out there russian, you, love better you gotta call watch saul. russian doll that's like a four-hour movie i have it all down i love better call saul but i would still say breaking bad's better and that ended yeah and Mad Men ended sopranos ended I think it's Game the of Thrones age. is going to end. I think right now is the golden age of television. I just think we have too Your much content. Your show 24 ended. <laughs> Tony Almeida. <laughs> Battlestar Galactic ended. Jeez, it was great doing the, the show with you today. The Office ended. Parks and Rec ended. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy well, thank you. birthday. All right. Uh, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Listen to the next podcast if you want all our Oscar picks. We'll Park. have Tom on maybe. Why don't we release this the day before the Oscars and yeah. we'll do the Oscars on the Oscars? Okay. This is very long. Yeah, but I, there shouldn't be much editing. But we just said Edit so that fun. out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for staying by. We love you. Staying by. <laughs> don't play that horn. <laughs>